That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. We need to roll back the state. We spy on all of our own citizens. Our prisons are flooded with nonviolent drug offenders. If you want to know who America's next enemy is, look at who we're funding right now. Every single one of these problems are a result of government being way too big. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Part of the Problem. I'm Dave Smith. He's Robbie the Fire Bernstein, the king of the cocks. What's up, my brother? Doing good. How about you, Davey Smith? Doing very good. Can't complain. I'm excited because me and you, in just a week's time, or a little less than a week, will be headed out to Chicago uh, to be dragged through the streets by a violent mob. Possibly. But before and after that, we will be uh, doing some stand-up comedy over at uh, the, um, oh, geez, what am I blank? Zanies, sorry, blank there for a second. Zanies Comedy Club uh, over in Chicago. Tickets are selling fast, so if you want to come out, make sure you go grab tickets, comicdavidsmith.com. Also, maybe go over to gasdigitalnetwork.com, use the promo code POTP, get a monthly discount, get access to all of our uh, the history of our episodes on demand, ad-free, uncensored, all that good stuff. And, of course, you can also go check out uh, our, our Rumble uh, page rumble.com slash part of the problem. We're on Rumble now. It's real. I would say it's very important. No matter where you uh, consume, um, where, where you consume this show from, whatever it is that you you watch, still please just go subscribe over on Rumble in, uh, in case of the unfortunate event where we are uh, banned from any of these other platforms. That's where we will be able to meet back up, uh, hopefully, uh, unless we say some Shit that gets us banned off Rumble. I don't even know. Is that possible? I don't think people get banned off Rumble. Anyway, a lot of fun stuff uh, to get into for today's show. Um, the What I wanted to start with was this uh, video, which is going viral. Donald Trump did a uh, podcast. Um, do you, by the way, do you remember, uh, Rob, do you remember when Barack Obama did uh, Mark Maron's podcast yeah. years ago? Yeah. Do you remember what a big deal it was? Because they were like, yo, the president is doing a podcast. That It was so crazy at the time. It was like, wow, that's like really legitimizing podcasts. And it's amazing. And not that long a period of time, uh, this is less than a decade, it's become a thing where that's just not even like, a. it's like, well, yeah, of course. You want people to hear you. You got to go do a podcast. Everyone's got to go do a podcast. Just interesting. Anyway, so Trump was on this podcast and the topic of Ron DeSantis came up. 
Trump versus DeSantis does seem like it's building this kind of energy around it. It is forcing a lot of Republicans to pick sides. It's kind of interesting who's picking sides. I've seen a lot of prominent uh, voices in the conservative movement who supported Trump in 2016, who are now on the DeSantis uh, train. Um, One of the things that's very interesting about all of this is that DeSantis has not announced that he's running. It's like they're in campaign mode, but DeSantis has never said that he's running for president. As far as I I know, he's never even really flirted with the idea. And yet he's in all of these polls. He's the only guy besides Donald Trump who seems to have any shot of winning the Republican uh, nomination. And Trump is taking the gloves off with him. It's just strange to me. You would think the guy would have needed to announce and you would think that they would at least, like I you would I know Trump isn't exactly known for his discipline, but I would have thought that he'd wait. Like, why just kind of attack a guy who is popular amongst your base it, when he's not even challenging you? I don't know. That just surprises me. Yeah, maybe they get ahead of the polling. And so he bullies him out of ever announcing. Maybe. I guess that might be the strategy right there. Anyway, this was uh, here was Donald Trump in very typical uh, Trump fashion going at Ron DeSantis. Let's play the clip. I think he's what like besides that because he's done a pretty good job with Florida. You agree? Why, why do you think you're a better choice than DeSantis? Well, actually, if you look at the numbers, he didn't do a great job. If you take a look at the numbers, he's very high on crime, very high, right at the top, uh, almost at the top. Uh, he, I think, he gets good publicity. Although now people are starting because I'm putting out the COVID numbers. He didn't do well in COVID. He had more deaths in almost every country in Florida. I hate to say it because Florida's my state. But he had he did not have he did not do well. It's it's really it's very interesting. I don't want to knock anybody, but the thing he did well on is public relations because uh, the numbers weren't what uh, they pretended to be. With all of that being said, when you help somebody, I believe in loyalty. You just don't do what he did. Now, he's out campaigning. I assume he's going to run. But I think the numbers are so bad now that a lot of people are assuming that he won't run. And uh, would you consider him like to be your running mate? I don't I, I don't see it. I mean, I don't see it. Well, there you go. It doesn't look like uh, DeSantis is going to be Donald Trump's running mate. There's the, there's, I, I've never seen anyone else. Trump is, you must say, however you feel about him, just a unique human being. There's no one quite like him. I've never seen anyone else who does this thing where they just, they contradict themselves within a sentence constantly. You know what I mean? Like, it's always this style of like, and I don't want to knock the guy, but he's a big pussy, but I'm not going <laughs> to knock him. I don't want to knock him. And I, I think he's going to run. He's clearly going to run. But a lot of people think he's not going to run. He's probably not going to run. The guy's probably scared to run. Like, it's just constant. Like, wait, what? What side of that issue are you on? Like, he, he takes both sides the whole time. I, I got to say, there are, of, of all of the ways to knock Ron DeSantis, it just seems to me like this is the most ridiculous one that Trump is trying to take, that he he did a bad job on COVID. Like, that's actually what you're going to criticize Ron DeSantis on. Donald Trump, the pro-lockdown president, the guy who kept Fauci on the job, the guy who bragged about the biggest spending packages, this guy's going to knock Ron DeSantis for his handling of COVID I mean, I don't know how you feel, Rob. This just seems 
insane to me. Can that possibly work? I love uh, your verbiage of pro-lockdown president. I think that's uh, the, the Democrats. If you're listening, that's uh, he was pro-lockdown. He supported Fauci. He rolled out the vaccine. I mean, these are all the real talking points. I, I actually think the media didn't quite cover it, but I think one of the reasons Republicans did not win in the last election is that they didn't speak out about uh, the COVID tyranny enough. And uh, I think that's partly why DeSantis is as popular as he is is because that was a major issue and he got it right. And there's a couple. He's talking out against central bank digital currencies. There's like a couple crucial issues that DeSantis seems to get and be on the right side of. Uh, And when it comes to COVID, this would be the single topic you would not want to bring up because he's right, you're wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's just that clear. It's that clear. And and Donald Trump isn't like just incapable of pivoting off of his covid talking points. You know, like he just can't do it. It's just got to be bragging about how he got everything right. But it's not true. Donald Trump was as of the summer of 2020. He was uh, criticizing Sweden for uh, not locking down, for not having lockdowns. Now, by the way, if you look at the uh, there's been recent studies that have come out with the um with like the excess death rates, you know, who did the best in all of Europe and Northern America, Sweden, something interesting to keep in mind there. Um, Now, of course, eventually, like by the end of 2020, Donald Trump was being critical of lockdowns. um, But it's just like the same with everything else where he takes every side of every issue and contradicts himself a million times. And so then everyone can always find one like, quote of his or something where it's oh look he was being good on this issue it's like yeah that's like he said he was gonna you know end all the wars and bomb the crap out of them and torture the terrorists families and but you know it's like oh okay so i i guess what he's really great and really horrible on that issue it's it's like a weird dance that he does but this just seems crazy to me and and also just trying to look when you have a state like florida which, while uh, far from perfect, did a lot better than just about any other state during COVID, um, was for so much of 2020 and 2021, Florida was essentially a free state in in a world of COVID restrictions. And you have people uh, moving to Florida by the hundreds of thousands. You have a guy who won by a few thousand votes to become governor winning by a landslide, 20 points, to say he's done a terrible job with Florida, it it just seems to me like, who is that resonating with? I mean, pretty clearly the people of Florida think he's doing a good job. Uh, You know, and not everybody, but a lot of them. I mean, he won a landslide in his reelection campaign. And and to your point, Rob, you know, in a year where in a midterm year year where Republicans really underperformed, Ron DeSantis is winning by a blowout. And I do tend to agree with you that I think it's right. I think it's I think it's that he was one of the loudest voices vocally criticizing the insanity of the uh, of the Democrats in 2020, 2021. And that seems to be a big part of it. Um, this just seems of all the areas to hit Ron DeSantis on, this just doesn't seem to be smart. But Donald Trump has his own style. And I guess this is what he's going after. I just I can't imagine this possibly working. And if Ron DeSantis that like what Donald Trump has made pretty clear already is that if Ron DeSantis 
wants to run, if he wants to be the Republican nominee, he's got to meet Trump in the center of the ring and fight him. That's the only way he's getting this. He's not going to run where it's going to be like, uh, well, we have some respectful differences and here's my vision and here's your vision. It's going to be like th this is the only way Donald Trump does it, you know, and I got to say, I don't know enough about Ron DeSantis. I've never seen him tested in this way. I don't know if he's up for that fight, which is a serious fight. But if he is, man, are there openings there? Man, are there huge openings? Like, you know, it's like this guy's a big, a big, scary guy and he hits really hard. But if you're like, you know, if you were a Ron DeSantis guy, which I'm not, but if you were a Ron DeSantis guy and you're like talking to him, you're like, yo, he's wide open to be counterpunched, like wide open. I mean, there's a, there are things that you can level him on, on on this issue. It's the guy you kept Fauci on the job. You gave America Fauci in 2020, President Trump. Nobody else. You alone kept that guy as the head guy to make these decisions. You sat next to him and stood there silently while he recommended destroying the country. It's, it's just, it just writes itself. Are you still bragging about that vaccine, President Trump? You're still bragging about how you created the this, uh, you know, this honeypot for pharmaceutical companies to, to just rake in billions in profits and just lie to everyone about what the product was doing. And it just writes itself. I mean, like, I feel like me and you, if we were uh, on Ron DeSantis's team, me and you could take an afternoon, sit down and write just the most devastating responses to this, you know, that's it's, Trump, it'll be interesting. Trump's going to have a real problem. I, I mean, if he just runs against a traditional Democrat who was even more in favor of lockdowns, vaccines, and sending money to people and locking them down. So then, yeah, he can be a little bit more right than they are. But if he's got to butt heads with anybody because he refuses to admit that the vac, Here's his problem. He wants to try and take approach with the vaccine of, it was the greatest thing that ever happened. It saved lives. I never would have forced individuals to get it, and they went too far. The audience doesn't care. You still supported the vaccine regime. You, you supported the creation of it. You emboldened and empowered the individuals who did create the mandates. You were there at the beginning of it. Like, so he's he's either going to have to own that he's responsible for the way that we handled COVID or maybe butt heads with someone who is more strict and go, well, I wouldn't have done that. But against a DeSantis, you're I mean, you're up shit creek if you're talking COVID. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And DeSantis really knows his stuff on COVID, too. He's like really good. Like he he's done his homework. Um, you know, there's something interesting. I, I, I want to make sure I say this the right way. OK, so. It kind of reminds me of like when I hear uh, Bernie Sanders talking about- right now. Oh. Look at that sneeze. Oh my God, the COVID's <laughs> back. Uh, it kind of reminds me of hearing Bernie Sanders talk about um, abortion and how it's the most important thing that the government doesn't control a woman's body. And you're like, wait, all of a sudden you care about what the government controls? <laughs> well, it just seems like a win. Now, you could understand that coming from, you know, like a different perspective, but- Again, let me try to say this the right way. To a libertarian, to a hardcore libertarian, I can understand making the principled argument that um, I think the COVID vaccine works really well, but I'm still against mandates. Okay? There's an argument there to be made that even if you thought it worked really well, you still believe in freedom. But to guys like, to, to 
Democrats and Republicans, that argument to me just seems so absurd, if it makes sense. Like it's so for Donald Trump to hang on to this, like basically it's everything they tell you, but I wouldn't have mandated it. It's like, so you are somebody who obviously already does not care about individual liberty and natural rights. You're fine with, you know, the entire government apparatus. Um, But you're telling me that this was the worst pandemic and that lockdowns were justified and that this vaccine saved tens of millions of people's lives, but you wouldn't make people get it. Like, so there's no downside to it. There's no, you know what I mean? It's just purely going to save people's lives, but you wouldn't force it because why on this one issue, you have some commitment to freedom, even though you're fine with violating freedom on every other issue. It just inherently seems to me, it's one thing if you take a principled stance across the board that like, like we do, like, this is what I believe in and freedom. But I got to say, I just think it within this like matrix of statism, I feel like that's a really weak position to take. Just really weak. And you've even seen it. There's been a few Trump events over the last year where he started bragging about uh, the vaccine and gotten booze, which is something, you know, it, it just it it just seems to me that like when Donald Trump. If he's and I'm not just talking about what issues he's right on, although that is part of it as well. I'm talking about just the politics of this. To me, when Donald Trump's talking about Ukraine and avoiding World War Three, he's winning. If Donald Trump is talking about the deep state and and how corrupt the FBI and the CIA are, he's winning. If he's talking about how the middle class is being destroyed and our country is being hollowed out and our leaders are completely corrupt, he's winning. When he's talking about COVID, he is losing. Like he is just losing this fight. And so it's very, you know, it's it's something to see him picking a fight with DeSantis on this battlefront. Again, if I was DeSantis's guys, I'd be like, yes, I'd be thrilled with this. That's where we want to fight him. His COVID track record versus yours. And no matter what, even, even if you go through and go, uh, forget even like the actual details of what they did. Because Ron DeSantis did lock down Florida initially. You know, he was not good from day one. He got much better as time went on. Um, but what you're known for in the public is like, Trump's the vaccine guy and you were the anti-lockdown guy. That's like the public perception of what you two are. And I'd be like, you know, I'd be all in on that fight if I was DeSantis. The truth is, though, that um, DeSantis just isn't. uh, I, I don't I don't see any from my perspective now, not talking about the politics of it, just saying from my perspective, I don't really see the case for why you want DeSantis in there, in the presidential run. I mean, it's like, okay, if DeSantis was fighting uh, against the COVID regime and fighting against the mandate regime and fighting against, like, woke shit, it's like, okay, so that's a great case to stay governor of Florida. Stay governor there and you're doing a good job. It doesn't really matter nearly as much once you become president. That's just not like the thing. That's the most important thing for presidents. And so I don't know exactly, like I'm not sold on DeSantis. I mean, I'm not sold on any of these guys, but I, it, it's just hard to ignore that this is a really interesting political development. And it seems like this is the fight most immediately. Like if DeSantis is going to run for president, he's probably got to announce pretty soon. And then it's going to be on. 
and there's going to be like a fucking civil war within the Republican Party. With and and I think DeSantis is formidable. Unlike in 2016, um, where Donald Trump, there was really no one formidable who was up against him. I think Ted Cruz lasted the longest, but no one ever thought Ted Cruz was going to be the nominee. That just wasn't going to happen. Um, in 2020, I think Bill Weld challenged him. You know, he was basically unchallenged. Um, this time, if if DeSantis does this, he's got a formidable challenge, um, and it looks like. It looks like there's going to be no half-assing it here. Like if DeSantis gets in, he's going to war with Donald Trump. And if he if he doesn't want to do that, then he can try to run in 2028. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Hey, at least Trump's throwing it down that it's going to be fun. I think it will be fun. Donald Trump does always keep it fun. You have to give him that. If, uh, if nothing else, that's something you definitely, definitely have to give him. All right, guys, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show, which is Sheath Underwear, the underwear of legends, my favorite underwear in the world, the best, most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you will ever put on your body. They are comfortable, high quality. Their moisture wicking technology just feels super soft. It's cool. It's breathable. It's great for working out. It's great for these hot summer months and it separates your man parts unlike any other underwear it is a game changer it is just amazing i love it if you're skeptical about the dual pouch system that separates the man parts you don't have to use it you can just wear them like regular boxer briefs and they'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn but i gotta tell you you gotta check out those pouches it's a game changer sheath has been advertising on this podcast for three years now they are a huge supporter of everything we do so please go support them and along the way get the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs that you will ever own at sheathunderwear.com use the promo code problem 20 and that will get you 20 percent off your next order sheathunderwear.com promo code problem 20 for 20 percent off your next order all right let's get back into the show uh let's uh move on to another topic that uh this one um this one hit particularly close to home for me. Uh, so as, as you know, Rob, uh, one of the major um, focuses of the Biden administration since taking control of the White House has been to launch a domestic war on terrorism. Uh, this is, um, you know, been something that was really important because we had so much success in what we did over there in the Middle East that we got to do that to American citizens. That's pretty important. And uh, there's been many, uh, you know, um, instances of this. There was the uh, the fellow uh, Douglas McKinney, um, who was just recently uh, convicted um, for the crime of mocking Hillary Clinton supporters on Twitter. I guess he he made kind of like a joke tweet, I think, where he was like, "Hey, don't forget." Uh, you know, if, uh, or it might've been about the 2020 election. I can't remember, but it, the, the joke was that, you know, like he gave the wrong day for election day. I thought it was, it was like, you could, you could tweet. I mean, oh, maybe tweet. that's you it. Could, you could yeah, yeah, yeah. text that's message it. your vote and it yes. looked like an official announcement. And I think they called it voting obstruction. I yeah, feel like I heard this by, on... It was vote by text. They were like, yeah, don't, I don't know it was if like, I actually saw the article. I think I just heard Rogan talking about this maybe. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, um, yeah, it was something like that. Is that don't forget, you don't have to go to the polls. You can just text. This is how we get Donald Trump out of there. And it was obviously like a joke. And they arrested and convicted this guy. Uh, he's looking at jail time. 
over this. It was really, really creepy. It's very clear. Was the prosecutor's main argument of, uh, Your Honor, you don't realize how stupid the general public is, <laughs> and we've done things far less clever like than this to uh, fool people into voting. <laughs> this will work, Your Honor, for millions of Americans. Yeah. They texted I mean, their votes. Also, isn't it? Isn't there also something kind of funny that, like, Trump's argument was, hey, this election's rigged and that there's some amount of voter harvesting or uh, votes that were being made by illegal immigrants. How many people do you think were fooled by this? And if that's a metric that you have to go by jail by, haven't you just created a very strict voting standard that we then need to enforce on uh, the Democratic Party or whoever was running the elections? I mean, whoever locked people out and said, hey, there's lunch out there and then closed the doors and barricaded the thing. I mean, if one vote got changed, if that's the standard here, sounds to me like uh, the legal system's got some real work to do. It would be pretty funny to see this, uh, a guy in court like arguing that. <laughs> Your Honor, the Americans are so stupid. You cannot expect them to distinguish this from real voting information. My aunt just texted me her vote for comptroller. She thinks she voted. She's an idiot. Um, anyway, the, clearly the guy was targeted because he was an opponent of the regime. And that, like this stuff is very creepy. Um, so it's just happened to a group of uh, black socialists. Um, the uh, Their leader is named uh, Amali Yes. Uh, Yishitela, I, I apologize. I'm sure I'm butchering your name, sir. Um, but this is a um, it's a group of uh, black socialist, hardcore leftists. These are like real deal dissident leftists, not um, the, the you know, the not the Bernie Sanders type, like real uh, people who are against the regime, who despise white liberals, and so of course they are not welcome within the fold of uh like woke politics which is something there's something about that theme that i want to get into a little bit more because that's one of the mo more interesting parts of all of this too is for all of the woke language and all of this stuff about like inclusivity and um diversity and even the uh kind of um socialistic talking points a real black socialist is not in. They're not in in this because it's not really actually about that. None of them. Act, this is one of the reasons why I object um, to the when people call them commies. You know, they'll be like this this woke communism, or they'll say things like you know they'll they'll call a um, you know like Hillary Clinton a Marxist or something like that. And you're like, this really isn't accurate. And there's something you're really missing if you look at this thing, this whole like progressive woke movement as Marxist or as communist, because it's not. It's really at its core, very, very corporatist. This is not about um, this is not about, you know, seizing factories for workers. This, it's not about that. It's not about, you know, uh, um, public ownership of the means of production. They're fine with very private ownership of the means of production. They are trying to maximize profits. Um, it's much more about a rigged corporatist system than anything else. Anyway, so these guys, and th this is what's really creepy. So there was just a, a memo released from uh, the Department of Justice a couple days ago um, the memo was titled U.S. Citizens and Russian Intelligence Officers Charged with Conspiring to, uh, to Use U.S. Citizens as Illegal Agents of the Russian Government. Um, and they continue, defendants sought 
to sow discord, spread pro-Russia propaganda, and interfere in elections within the United States. And as we already said, um, with, uh, um, with, with this last example here, that interfering in elections is a very broad term, uh, the way they use it. Interfering with elections could mean, you know, that you're trying to influence people to vote a certain way. It's kind of crazy. Uh, the DOJ indictment went on to uh, say, quote, uh, they were accused of, quote, writing articles that contained Russian propaganda and disinformation. Um, and as I always said before, so discord. This, this to me is just very, uh, very creepy here. Let me read um, a little bit more from what the Department of Justice wrote. Among other conduct, uh, among, amongst other conduct, the superseding indictment alleges that the Russian defendants recruited, funded, and directed U.S. political groups to act as unregistered illegal agents of the Russian government and sow discord and spread pro-Russian propaganda. Um, uh, it claims that they participated in covertly funding and directing candidates for local office within the United States. Now, the the major issue here is that basically this statute is was at least designed for, say, like people who were getting millions of dollars from the Russian government and uh, are then, you know, like running propaganda campaigns or something like that, that they have to register as foreign agents. But in this case, with this group, they've only isolated like a few very small payments that they claim come from Russia. And th it just makes no sense. Like this group has been a group of black socialists for like 20 years. They've been saying this shit forever. It had nothing to do with Vladimir Putin. But, you know, they're very critical of the war in Ukraine. And so this is where they're claiming that they're spreading Russian propaganda. Now, these guys... Uh, I'm sure would have a lot of views that me and you would not agree with, Rob. I mean, they're black socialists. We are neither black nor socialists. Uh, we probably disagree with a lot of them. But I got to say, and one of the reasons this hit close to home is I saw a few of the clips of uh, them talking about the war in Ukraine. And I got to say, it sounded a lot like the shit I've been saying. And uh, they were pretty much right about it. And so this is a very, like an unbelievable, and, and of course, as someone who's been accused of spreading Russian propaganda for at least a year now, it's, uh, well, it hits kind of close to home that you could, you could actually say, oh, you're spreading propaganda and therefore we are going to arrest you. They're looking at serious jail time, something like a decade in prison Jeez. they could be looking at for this. It's, uh. Yeah, this is this is creepy, and this is really a part of this domestic war on terrorism. Forget the idea. If you thought you had some some silly idea in your head that we had uh, freedom of speech or that you lived in a free country, no, you don't have. You can't have whatever view you want to have on the war in Ukraine uh, because one view is Russian propaganda and therefore criminal. Really creepy How, stuff. What exactly was the even if Putin called you up on the phone and said, "Hey, I like what you're talking about. Here's a check." Go say more of that. What's the crime? Well, I guess the crime would be not registering as a foreign uh, agent or something like that. But yeah, it should. That should absolutely be protected by the First Amendment. Evidently, it's not. So anytime. And do they even know that they, they specifically gotten funding from 
Because, like, if you just have open funding, so now, so you got a double liability. You've got a liability of policing mm-hmm. that no funds are coming in from a foreign country that might be tied to the government. And then you've got a responsibility that if it were to come in and it wasn't your intention, can you return the money or you already have to then go make a declaration of the fact that you now work for someone who sent you a donation that you didn't think you had a job for? Yeah, well, that's what's really creepy about all of this stuff is that it's like, look, it's very hard in today's world when you're just like out there talking about this stuff to even know exactly where all of your money is coming from. And obviously, like, let's say I'm out there on Joe Rogan's podcast talking about like all of the lies uh, that are being told to the American people about the war in Ukraine. If I'm out there saying that, I'm sure someone who was pro-Russian in that war might like what I'm saying, might want to support it. Now, that's not my problem. If they happen to like the truth, then they like the truth, whatever, you know? It doesn't mean I'm getting my information from them, and it doesn't mean I'm saying anything other than what I believe. But, right, you know what I mean? But now, like, I could certainly see a scenario where I wouldn't even know if someone like that had sent some small amount of money to me. I mean, I'd know if they were sending me millions, and I have yet to receive that. Uh, but it's but that's like the thing that's really creepy about this. Is it seems um, like you could uh, get anyone in trouble because it's as simple as you go. All right, I don't like what this guy is saying. You can call up your asset in a foreign country. Mm-hmm. Go, hey, I want you to make this payment. Call up the FBI. Go, hey, look, this asset <clears throat> can even have someone like that you've put in to one of these institutions or is tied to an institution. Sounds like a plat- like a way that you can get anyone with a dissonant opinion uh, to be put in jail without them having any intention of violating a crime. Yeah. yeah I think the, right. the general idea of uh, ignorance of the law is not an excuse or whatever that line is. Even to me, that's just tol- like that, that. How do you have that? Like, so you can just create any law at any point in time and all of a sudden I'm responsible for it, even if it's not common sense and my intent was not to be yeah. in violation of anything like you yeah, be a good cops, citizen cops always love to say that ignorance of the law is not an excuse but the thing is that it's a really good excuse <laughs> yeah i didn't know it's just such a great because excuse some I laws didn't aren't know. common sense like i didn't I, know i wasn't allowed to do that is a great right. excuse for why you did something like <laughs> i don't know i thought that you were allowed to i thought there was this wasn't illegal so that's why i did it and then they can just say that line and then it's just like oh okay Ignorance of the law isn't an excuse. So what's your excuse? And you're like, well, that's the only one that I have, but it's a really good one. Um, look, it's th- this is certainly creepy. And of course, I think we all knew from the very beginning that the domestic war on terrorism was always going to be a war on dissidents. I mean, it's so ridiculous when they talk about it. You know, th- I remember there were articles even before January 6th. Uh, there were th- there were like all of all of this talk out of the Biden administration and people advising them, you've got to really crack down on domestic terrorism, you know, and, uh, it, and then of course they took January 6th, they, just like they used 9-11 as this great excuse to see this is why we need it, even though like 9-11, they had already been planning this stuff well before it. But it's like, it's all so ridiculous. Like we don't, I mean, what are you, you even talking about domestic terrorism? It's like, oh, are you talking about like mass shootings or something like that? It's like, no, they're not talking about that. We're talking about politically motivated acts of violence. And like, we just don't have a lot of those. Like, even in our country today, as divided as things are, we don't see like there's not 9-11s happening over domestic terrorists. There's not Oklahoma City bombings happening like left and right. It's just not really a major problem. 
So what is it really? Well, what it really is is a war on dissidents. And we saw this, you know, throughout 2020. And this is why there was such a push for this uh, when Biden uh, first won in late 2020, even before he was in the White House, um, is because what were the domestic terrorists? So they were the people who were going to what? Like open their business, even though the government mandated a lockdown. Those were the domestic terrorists. They were the people who were going to like not get vaccinated in 2021. Those were the domestic terrorists or maybe even have the nerve of talking about how the lockdowns and the vaccines did not work the way the government sold them. That's what they were always talking about. And one thing that's particularly interesting about this case is that you see the government targeting black socialists. And that, that should tell you something. Like it gives you a little bit of information that this really is not, at least to them, about a left-right divide. And it's certainly not about a, a black or white divide. That's not what this is about. This is a, a war on dissidents. And it doesn't particularly matter much to them whether you're a left-wing dissident or a right-wing dissident. That's really not the issue at hand. It's not about left versus right. It's about the powerful versus the people. You know, and so there's something about that that I think is important for people to understand. Understand how much all of this shit is. It's all bullshit. All the like identitarianism. It's all just a tool for them. They don't actually care about any of this. Yes, they would. They like diversity. They like different shades of people who all support their power structure. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, but they don't real. they're not really interested in like diversity of thought here, or they're not really interested in diversity as soon as like, you know, it's like, this has always been true of kind of like wokeism in general, like even like the kind of even, even like college, like campus, like woke shit, it, it'll be, there might be like some, some people of color involved in it, but it's people of color who sound and act and think just like all the white people at an upper middle class prestigious university. You know what I mean? That's the type of diversity they want. They want someone with black skin who's just like them. They're not like going to the hood and being like, what can we do? You know, how can we be more like your culture here in Wesleyan? You know what I mean? And like, so that's, it's kind of interesting to see that like, it's not a matter of, of who's a, um, It's not like a a war on right-wingers as much as it is that right-wingers are seen as dissidents and therefore they're caught up in the war against dissidents. But it is a pretty creepy thing if you're a political dissident who's just, you know, say, I don't know, doing a podcast and you're like, oh, wow. So that's like, okay, I, I think we're a few steps off from just coming after everyone. But you're like, oh, we've established this as kind of the norm now that you can actually be charged with spreading Russian propaganda for, for what, for, for believing in the concept of America, <laughs> like for believing, I gotta, like, I got to stop ahead. doing the bit on run your mouth where I say I'm a thousand percent fact checked and supported by Russia. <laughs> I'm claiming that's why I can get everything right is because I have their funds. I guess oh, that joke's man. no longer. Yeah. Maybe you want to downplay <laughs> that or is it run something like a scroll on the bottom of the screen? It's like, this is a satirical podcast and this is and not And then real. you also had the Fox News lost their Dominion lawsuit for like 850 or $900 million. Well, I think they settled, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, Which, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, it feels like censorship to me. 
uh, in that if you're reporting, if the president or the president's lawyers are saying something and it's completely false, it's still news. It's news for you to report, hey, this is what these people are saying. To not report on that is censorship to go, hey, I think that's a, you can categorize it as false claims or this is coming from them. Now, the fact that they settled, it could be that they actually had them dead to rights, that um, they weren't just reporting, hey, they're saying this. They were reporting it as that, hey, here's something that's factually true, and they knew it wasn't, and maybe they didn't want more digging that would have really ruined their business, uh, but that seemed like a creepy lawsuit that, uh, it, that, that Fox even settled on it. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Personally, I'm kind of against all of these defamation uh, lawsuits. I mean, I, I think in maybe in some areas there should be some type of tort system if, you know, someone uh, blatantly lies about you and it causes you real clear damages that you that, I don't know. But in general, I'm on the side of free speech. I mean, I think that you should be able to say if you think the election was stolen. And um, there's certainly this was certainly a widespread view Um amongst Republican voters and the president of the United States at the time was claiming it. Yeah, it's does. It seems like it's a, it's very chilling to free speech, uh, to be able to win such a huge, uh, or, or such a huge settlement. Um, because some of the, what, some of the opinion, uh, hosts on the network were, were not even saying they knew it was stolen, but how much is our government spending with dominion each year that dominion can be losing $850 million in value, uh, from, I guess, bad reporting from Fox News. Yeah, and don't you kind of lose, you know, if you're like one of these companies that's like such a quasi-government organization, don't you kind of lose your ability to go around suing people for defamation? You know what I'm saying? Like, if it's kind of like, like, if as the taxpayer, you're like, well, I'm funding you. So, <laughs> like, shouldn't I be able to say what I want to about you? All right, guys, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show, which is Small Batch Cigars. Many years ago, buying cigars online wasn't as easy as we've made it with Small Batch Cigars. While you could find a great selection, you never knew how the cigars were treated before they arrived on your doorstep. The process was less than ideal, and many dry cigars were shipped the cheapest and slowest way possible. Andrew set out to revolutionize the experience in 2012 and reverse engineer it, starting with how we would want to receive cigars in the mail. He wanted lightning fast shipping on every order that was absolutely free. He also wanted Bavetta packs included in every box along with an abundance of bubble and plastic wrap to reduce damage. It needed to be as simple as finding what you want and knowing it would arrive quickly and safely. Small Batch were the first online vendors to provide free shipping on every order with a free Brevetta pouch in every package to ensure freshness. Customers also earn 5% reward points on almost every order with very few exceptions like their limited cigar of the month clubs. They offer much more than just an incredible selection of rare, hard to find and limited edition cigars. For instance, this is America's favorite online tobacconist because they offer the best customer experience on the planet. The customer service that every cigar enthusiast deserves. Problem 10 is the promo code that will get you a, that will get you 10% off plus 5% rewards points. Free shipping on every order. Almost every order delivered in two to three days. Free Brevetta packs included with every purchase. The most thorough packaging in the industry. You also earn 5% rewards points. You want it? 
You got it. It's right here. Smallbatchcigar.com. That's where you got to go. They have been the destination for boutique cigar enthusiasts for over a decade now, servicing tens of thousands nationwide. Small batch cigars of Maximar Unlimited Cigars, providing the same luxurious cigar experience to their brick and mortar in South Carolina to enthusiasts from coast to coast. Go check them out. Smallbatchcigars.com. Promo code PROBLEM10 for 10% off plus 5% rewards points. Almost every order in the continental United States is delivered within two to three days. All right, let's get back into the show. Anyway, speaking of uh, the stolen election, there's been a um, <coughs> some new reporting out about uh, exactly how this election might very well have been stolen. Um, according to, um, uh, this is from uh, uh, ALX, uh, who's a, a, a big Twitter account at ALX. Um, he, he, he's uh, reporting that um, in private sworn testimony, the former acting CIA director, Mike Morell, says that the Biden campaign asked him to organize the 50 colleagues to sign the letter in October of 2020, claiming uh, that emails from Hunter Biden's laptop published by the New York Post were Russian disinformation. He says, quote, Anthony Blinken, now Secretary of State, was the senior campaign official who reached out to him on or before October 17th, 2020, three days after the Post published an email from the laptop suggesting Hunter had introduced his Ukrainian business partner to his father. Uh, of course, as you remember, this is then what Joe Biden repeated in the, the debates, that there were these 50 intelligence uh, officers. Um, the corporate press ran with it. And Biden, uh, you know, repeatedly used that letter as a reason to discount this whole story. This was in the final weeks of uh, the presidential campaign. Th this is not surprising. Um, clearly, there was... Um, Look, what we know, looking back on this now, is that Joe Biden um, was, okay, we know that Hunter Biden's laptop was legit. That's been, uh, th that, that's, at this point, everyone, even all the news organizations have admitted that. Um, they had it. It was a huge scandal. There's stuff of real, there's real newsworthy stuff on there, not just the salacious, you know, stuff, not just the photos of drugs and sex and stuff, but like real news stories. And clearly there was an effort to come up with this bullshit story that it was Russian uh, disinformation. And clearly the people who were doing that were trying to help Joe Biden's campaign. It's really not that surprising to learn uh, that Joe Biden's campaign actually was the ones who made the request for this to happen. The, the interesting thing really isn't whether or not, like even if this reporting isn't true, it doesn't change the story any. It doesn't matter whether the request came from Joe Biden or whether this was just initiated by intelligence officers. Either way, the story is that the intelligence officers did it, right? It doesn't matter if they had initiated it on their own or if Biden had asked. Like if they initiated it on their own, the story is that they initiated it. And if Biden asked, the story is that they agreed to do it for him. So it doesn't really matter who it came from. But the fact here is that when you have this major, you know, October surprise, it gets the, you, you, the intelligence agencies leap on to create this excuse that will at least carry Biden over the finish line here. If that's not interfering in an election, 
nothing is nothing is if that's not election interference um so you know while dominion is winning this lawsuit per, look guys like me and you me and you never really jumped on the dominion thing right it was never really like one of our major talking point that like oh these voting machines are are fraudulent because i just never saw overwhelming evidence that they were i don't really know i'd be talking out of my ass if i said i did know and that's not what we like to do I think we said um, those are wild claims and that would be interesting if they can prove it because there was really nothing more to be said at the time. Yeah. There was but basically what was that. The, I don't know what the Fox News reporting was. I didn't see it and like but I also haven't seen articles with direct and horrific quotes from the hosts that were saying like after firm evidence of the Dominion, you know, I I didn't see anything like that. I what I remember um and I don't watch a lot of Fox News Tucker Carlson's really the only guy um who I keep up with cuz he's like the only one to me who's interesting over there um but I actually remember him getting a lot of shit from right-wingers because what he said when Trump's lawyers uh Rudy Giuliani and that uh that woman uh whose name Sydney Powell Sydney Powell yes that's correct uh when he what he was saying is when they were coming out and making those claims he was like whoa these are incredible claims and we need to see some evidence to back them up. Right. And then he was like, in the following days, he was like, just to be clear, they made these claims and now have given us nothing to back that up. And like, if you're going to say the president is like, it like illegitimately won the presidency like that, you know, he's still got his like kind of red, white and blue conservative thing where he's like, no, you don't say that unless you have the evidence to, to show it. Um, and I think he was trying to not be a hypocrite because he had been saying that about, Hillary Clinton and her claims of Russian interference for years. And he was like, oh, I'm not just going to be the same thing that I've been criticizing for all these years. Uh, so I remember that and him getting a lot of pushback from with, like his, you know, at least like on Twitter and stuff, seeing like right wingers furious with him. Um, anyway, so I don't really know. I don't know how far Hannity or some of the other ones went into it. Maybe they did. Uh, regardless of that, to me, this stuff, the way the election was stolen in plain sight, all that stuff was always far more interesting to me. And look, I mean, like, just to be clear, at the very least, what the Hunter Biden laptop demonstrated was just the incredibly corrupt um, relationship that Hunter Biden had with these Ukrainian and uh, Chinese companies where he's clearly just trading his last name and making millions of dollars. That's at the very least. And particularly the one that I harp on the most is the one with Burisma in Ukraine, because it's pretty interesting that after the U.S. backed the coup that overthrew a democratically elected government there, that this uh, company who was in bed with the Yanukovych government to um, solidify their good standing with the new government bribed the vice president of the United States of America's son. It's just something kind of interesting about that. It kind of lets you know who is really running the show, right? It's like, why aren't, why aren't they just bribing their new government? Oh, they're going right to the source, huh? So that was kind of interesting. The, big, the biggest scandal, not just things that there were rumors of, like there, there were rumors of all types of like ooh, horrific stuff on the laptop. I, again, none of that was ever proven. We've talked about this before, how it's, uh, it's one of those dangerous things where um, I you can't even try to find it because you're not going to put that into your Google search and you also don't want to see it if you find it. So it's anyway, I don't know what came of some of the wilder things that were alleged to have been on the, uh, on, on Hunter's hard drive. Um, but 
what we do know is that there were there was reference after reference in these emails about the big guy. And it seems overwhelmingly likely that that was Joe Biden. It it there Hunter is constantly talking about giving kickbacks to the big guy. His business associates are asking about the big guy and when he gets his money and then we have Hunter Biden's business partner, uh, Bobolinsky, um, who came out and said that the big guy is Joe Biden, that he's met Joe Biden, that they've talked about this, and that this was the business uh, arrangement. And he didn't just tell this to um, the media. He told this to the FBI as well. So it does seem like... The- it seems like the most likely explanation here is that, yes, Joe Biden was getting kickbacks off of all this stuff. That, no matter how you want to slice it, is what we like to call news. That is news, you know? And for that to be, um, to, to have the intelligence agencies snap into position to try to squash this story to, to the benefit of the person challenging the sitting commander in chief, right? Like these were Trump's intelligence agencies. That is something really big. And that you could easily look at as stealing an election. It's not a stretch to call that a stolen election. Um, So whatever Fox news had to settle out of court for the real, perhaps maybe the lesson there is that, they, they really should have gone after what the real story of how the election was stolen was. Not been searching after, you know, the stuff that Rudy Giuliani was telling you is coming. That, that never came. And uh, maybe there'll be uh, the public against uh, the news organizations for uh, the lack of research they did in promoting vaccines. Yeah, I'm not holding my breath on that. But it's certainly, if we lived in a, in a just world, I think that would... Uh, that would that would make sense. All right, before we uh, we get out of here, you want to say something about this new uh, Biden rule that just went into effect. Um, essentially, uh, Biden's going to uh, hike oh. payments for good credit home buyers to subsidize high risk mortgages. What, so, of all of the backward so, plans, there's so many elements of this that are unfair and don't make sense. So, just first is. Uh, the idea that you're going to punish people who have good credit to reward people that have bad credit, not very fair. It's just it's just not very fair. Like, so you're going to be incentivizing people to have worse credit. So I should purpose like you might actually be able to sit down and do the math and go, oh, if I'm at a lower score, the government's going to actually subsidize. I mean, people do this with health insurance. People will actually uh, forecast how much of their income like th- this is like the real evil side of the economy. This is kind of mm-hmm. like the poor rich or the people that earn good money in cash and don't declare it. So then they can take all the government benefits. And so you get like your Medicaid, but then you're still making a decent amount of money because you're not declaring a type situation. So now it- you're beginning to be incentivizing the people that have saved and can actually go buy a home. You're going to be incentivizing them to maybe have worse credit, maybe not pay a bill or something so they can actually have the government come in and subsidize them. That's problem one. Problem two is if you're now a person with good credit, not only are you going to have a higher interest rate to subsidize somebody else's house, but subsidizing somebody else to enter in the housing market is going to, what's that going to do? It's going to increase demand for housing. 
So now you're getting hit twice. You're not just getting hit by the fact that you've got to subsidize your house. You also have to get hit by the fact that you're going to be competing with that guy to go and buy a house. Yeah. Here's the third part of it. There's just one more element that's worth noting. Go ahead. We're now in a housing downturn, which is because they've raised interest rates. The government, Wall Street, just the powers that be are kind of in a system where uh, they need asset bubbles. They need new credit to come into bubbles so that they can keep the inflated prices higher because most people, their single biggest investment is their house. And when you start seeing that your biggest investment's not working out, you really get angry with government. And also people start, stop spending money. Things come to a halt. We've seen housing demand, from what I can tell, I don't like religiously study this, so I'm like, but I've seen a little bit of a reduction, I think, in housing demand uh, since interest rates have gone up, and I think you can forecast that housing was in a bit of a bubble, and if interest rates continue to come down, I think you will see a decrease in the housing prices. So I'm sure Biden's looking at this and thinking, okay, well, how do we keep this going? Well, people can't get loans. All right, well, how can we take the people who can't get loans and get them loans? Well, the government will intervene and will figure out how we can subsidize so that they can get loans. You're also describing pumping up a credit asset bubble, which is what got us into the 08 mess. Yeah. So just to kind of understand the layers of this, one, you're um, incentivizing bad behavior in the market because you're going to be basically finding people with good credit to subsidize people with bad credit. Those same people, you're going to be driving up the value of their prices of the houses if they're going to get houses. And also, you're now distorting the markets again to basically figure out how you can keep a bubble going. Well, and you're, right. I mean, you're subsidizing the people who are the most likely to default. Right. That doesn't seem like a real winning strategy long term. Um, uh, you know, the other aspect to this, I, I think essentially everything you said there is right. I think that's a good breakdown of it. Um, but I think that there, you know, there's something that you hear where um, people on the left talk about if they talk about economics for more than a sentence you're guaranteed to hear something about fairness. You know, the rich paying their fair share, uh, the, the income inequality, how unfair it is that some have so much and some have some so little. And, you know, we talk about it a lot where obviously there is something that um, is very deep in human nature to object to unfairness. It's something that, you know, if you have little kids, you notice they're very sensitive to it. Right away. No fair is a thing that little kids say without anyone teaching them that you should object to something being unfair. It's just very in us. But fairness is a kind of a, it's a nuanced thing and there's unfairness all around us. And it's, it's easy to pick and choose at what you complain about is unfair. I mean, it's, you know, it's unfair that LeBron James is so tall and athletic and the rest of us aren't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's not exactly fair that he gets that, but he did. And, you know, there's lots of things in life that are unfair. And I'll touch on this a lot in my stand-up, but it's, it's un, if you think about what uh, it takes to have a baby, it's pretty unfair what women have to go through compared to what men have to go through. There's lots of things that are unfair in the world. Um, and some of them we just have to accept are natural and there's not really that much we can do about them. And uh, then you can kind of pick and choose what you complain about that's unfair. But for all these people on the left who are like so concerned with fairness, it's just, you know, your credit score is actually pretty damn fair. And like credit score is not about like inherited wealth 
or getting a lucky break and getting a good job. It's really just about how responsible you've been. I, I know people who make a lot of money who had really shitty credit scores because they've just been irresponsible through their lives. They just had bills they didn't pay, things they didn't pay. I, listen, it's something I've gotten a lot better at, um, but I knew I, there have been bills that I just literally didn't pay because I forgot about them and I had the money to pay them. I just fucking, I just forgot. Like, I'm just a very disorganized person. My wife had much better credit than me uh, when, when we first got together and I was making substantially more money than her. She was just more organized and more on top of it. And it's like, it, it's fair. She deserves to be rewarded for that, you know? Like, there's nothing wrong with that system. And uh, so, by the way, so my wife was, uh, uh, I remember, she was, this is a couple of years ago, she was approved for a credit card. We both applied for one and she got approved and I didn't. And I'm like, I'm her entire economy. I will be paying the bill on her yeah. credit card. You gave one to her. It just, you know, anyway, that was a little unfair. But the point is, it's really kind of right. It's because she had a bit more of a history of fucking paying her bills on time than I did. I, I would be late on bills just because I forgot about them. My point that I'm getting at really is, how about the fact that the person who did everything right is getting punished? How about the unfairness to that person? Like, no one ever seems to care about that. That the person who like maintained good credit paid, you know, like was responsible for all of their, their obligations and then goes to get a house and has done everything right now. They got to be, they have to subsidize the person who didn't. Isn't that profoundly unfair? It seems like no one cares about that fairness. And you're already taxing I care me. about that a lot more. You're already taxing me to make up for what other people don't have. I'm, I'm not, not yeah. me. I'm just saying if you're a wealthy person and you're we're not even that wealthy. You're fucking middle class. You're just trying to buy a house, which sucks. Yeah. You got to put down two hundred thousand dollars so you can get a five store. Like I mean, it depends on the area that you're living. In my area, you're probably going to get a home, maybe eight hundred thousand dollars. That's about what a house probably goes for around here. Probably got to put down two hundred thousand, and then you're paying what the equivalent would be in rent, so that you can kind of save for retirement and live a little bit nicer. That 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 that's what that looks like. But it's like once I get to that situation, and listen, I don't know. Maybe you're making six figures a year. You're already paying for other people's shit, paying yeah. for the kids to go to school. You're paying for people like you're, you're paying your contribution. It's just a new tax. That's really what yeah. this is. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's just raising uh, raising a tax on on middle class people as if they haven't been bled dry enough. But that's and right. it hits you and it hits you as you're trying. It is so stressful to buy a house and you really got to scrape and you got to put it to you got to put it together. And then to put it finally put it together and try and achieve this thing and then be told, well, you got to give that little piece back to the government. Of the, like they just got to interject themselves. And you're like, it's just not the time. And it's just, it's just so wrong. You know, I remember um, there was that great moment uh, we played on the show. This is back a few years ago when Elizabeth Warren got confronted by that dad. And this is kind of, th th it gets right to the point of what I'm talking about with like, what about this unfairness? Um, but where he goes, so I, he goes, uh, so I paid off all of my daughter's student loans and I worked extra shifts. He goes, I worked overtime for years. We never went on any vacation and I did all of that so I could pay back her loans. And then my neighbors taking vacations, buying a third car, like doing all these things. Now he, he gets his loans forgiven. Like, are you going to pay me back for all those years? And she's like, well, no, of course not. And it's like, and you just realize it's like, oh yeah, it's so unfair to punish the people who did everything right and reward the people who did everything wrong. 
Just so that, how about that unfairness? All right. On that note, uh, that's going to be it. Catch you guys in uh, Chicago in a week. Come check us out. ComicDaveSmith.com. Go there for all the ticket links and dates. RobbieTheFire.com at RobbieTheFire on Twitter and go check out Run Your Mouth, uh, Run Your Mouth, excuse me, Rob's other podcast. All right. And uh, Cafe Bohemia on Wednesdays. Hell yeah. All right. Catch you guys next time. Peace. Peace.